I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, everybody. That's from The Truman Show, which was my favorite movie when I was a kid. Also, the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, Today's guest, I am so fucking excited for you guys to hear because he is the epitome of Rewrite the Rules. His name is Colin Beaven. He's an activist. He's an author. He's been on The Colbert Report. He made a documentary called The No Impact Man. Um, I think it came out about five to ten years ago. Um, where he basically, you know, throughout the year lived with no impact, like very little money, I think maybe no money. Um, and you know, seeing how that had an effect on himself and on his family and on his community. And then, uh, he wrote a book called how to be alive, a guide to the hap, the kind of happiness that helps the world, which basically is an entire book on why you should start to reevaluate the standard life approach and to start putting all of your effort into creating this very sustainable and fulfilling life outside of your career or job. And then, you know, let your career or job maybe give you the money to support your very fulfilling life that you focus on with relationships, um, you know, with your health and uh, community, things like that. So just listen to this one. Like he is such an insightful guy. Uh, it will make you reevaluate a lot of things that you're doing and, um, really check out his book came out a couple years ago, but it's called how to be alive. Um, it's on Amazon and everything. It's a tremendous book to just rethink, get a new perspective, especially right now in the summer. We're coming into the fall soon. Um, even though it's like just start of summer, fall is going to be here before we know it. And it'll just give you a really good perspective and, um, you know, just kind of start thinking about things things differently. So I am stoked for you guys um, to hear this and, you know, subscribe, leave me a review on iTunes. Tell your friends if you, if you're enjoying this podcast, um, help spread the word. That is like the greatest honor that y'all could ever give me. So hope you're having a great week. I love y'all. Hit me up. That's it. So cool, man. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, I read read the book, uh, well, half the book, and um, there were the whole concept of it is very, very cool. I thought it was very well written about living unconventionally and uh, kind of reevaluating your life and deciding. Okay, like I think one of the examples you said were um, like you know getting a really good job across the country so that you can get enough money so you can come back and visit your family, you know, or you could just. Yeah. Stay in the area and visit your family. So those kind of examples um, were cool. But um, how did you kind of, you know, I know you had some jobs that were more conventional in the past. How did you even get down this rabbit hole of no impact man and, and uh, you know, how to be alive? And just how did you kind of, what was that initial like cascading effect at the beginning? Mm. Well, really, I've never really had conventional jobs. Um I started, the, the only conventional job I almost had was I did a PhD in electrical engineering and I was thinking I'd do that and, and then, but the minute I got my PhD, I quit. And sometimes I actually, that's what I say, I'm a professional quitter. 
Um, and the re- and <clears throat> I joke about that because I was just born the type of person who wasn't satisfied with um, uh, taking up just the kind of life that I was supposed to have. I, I always, you know, I always had big questions like, why are we alive? What am I supposed to do with my life? Like, um, I was always suspicious about of material things, but but so I so I never actually had a conventional job, but I ended up uh, finally writing uh, history books, and um, which I really liked. But uh, after my second history book, there was uh, a couple of things going on. First of all, there was the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War, and also I was reading news of global warming, and I just didn't feel. I felt like I was. I you know I was kind of had like the life in New York City, part of the literary set and all of that, but it felt empty to me when the whole world felt like it was suffering. We had the we had the wars, we had global warming, and then we had the way of life in between, like this, uh, you know, American consumerist way of life that, that, were, that why we were fighting for oil and what was happening when we burned the oil was climate change was all in service of this way of life. And, and when I looked around at people here in New York, elsewhere, people weren't didn't seem like they were having lives that were so happy that we should be wrecking the whole world for them. Mm. And so I wanted to turn my career over and do something different um, and uh, that uh, contributed to a conversation about how we really should be living. And that's when I came up with this project, No Impact Man which was a year in which I lived as environmentally as possible in New York. And I wrote a book about that and, and, uh, was the subject of a documentary film about it too. Yeah, it was great. Did you, as you start to go down that, I feel like there must've been a lot of pushback, obviously from friends, family. How did you, and even as you continued on that kind of path now, how do you kind of, um, put up your shield so you don't let the rest of the hundreds of thousands of advertisements we get and social influences, how do you not let that chip away at your mission even still? Like what's your biggest what's your biggest line of defense for yourself? I think the biggest line of defense for anybody who wants to live according to their values is to have a community of people that share their values. Or at least a community of people who share the value of living by your values. So um, when I did No Impact Man, when I wrote How to Be Alive, my more recent book, um, I know so many people who are um, living at that at this intersection where I live of spirituality and activism, um, who are quester, what I call life questers who are trying to figure out like what is what is a way of living that is both authentic to me and has a meaningful impact on the world. Mm. Um, that's what I spend a lot of my time doing, by the way, helping people choose lives that feel authentic to them and have a meaningful impact. I, I do that through personal counseling and coaching. And um, Anyway, I have a lot of friends who embrace those values too. And it took me a while to find that many, you know, that those kinds of friends. But but having a community of people that share this idea that living on that that I'm not, rather than sometimes I think of it like this: like so many of us are live our lives according to what where where we want to get, mm. right? Mm. Um, I'm not I'm I'm less interested in living my life according to 
where I want to get. I want to live my life according to who I am. So, and, and so, in other words, I want to live in line with my values and trust that the life that I get from living in line with my values will be the, the right life for me. And I know a decent number of people who share that. And, and that's, that's, you know, when you say, how do you keep the advertisements at bay and all of that, you know, um, uh, sharing your life with people who feel similarly is the way that I do that. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Having that community sense. It's funny. I had, um, Eric Davis, who's a Navy SEAL on, um, and, uh, JT McCormick, who's the CEO. And now of course you, who's an activist and you guys all say the same thing. It's amazing to me when I hear people that are in completely different walks of life and have, and have manifested themselves in life in completely different ways through this society that we have right now and everyone comes to the same conclusions <laughs> in completely different ways you know it's incredible mm-hmm. um so what would you say your values are right now how can i help you that'd be your biggest value i think so i mean people get hung up on how can i help you is that that it's the i and the you that people get how can I help you as though somehow that means that means that I'm making a martyr of myself. But really what it means is just in this moment, um, what's required, like what's the, what's, what's required of me and you and how do we move forward together? Um, yeah, I mean, I think what's important to me is this is what I actually think is not just important to me, but important to everybody. I mean, the psychology tells us, tells us this, you know, this, the, you must be familiar with the hero's journey, right? Which is the hero's, the, the hero's journey is something that, um, Joseph Campbell, who studied mythology from around the world came up with. And what he discovered is that, uh, there were this, there was this particular kind of myth, the, the hero myth, which was, um, the same in all cultures and all ages. And basically the hero myth is, it's a myth or a story that, that, that's held in all cultures. It's about a person, uh, leaving, um, leaving what's common and normal to pursue, uh, their own passion and their own, uh, becoming of themselves, leaving their community. And then they go off and they, you know, um, develop and meet certain challenges until they've really matured into who they are. And then they return, it's called the hero's return. They return to their community with, with these passions and talents developed and then are able to help their community with, 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 with passions and abilities and characteristics that they may originally have been rejected from their community for having. Right. Mm. So this is the hero story. And, and what it tells us why the hero story is told over and over again in culture after culture is because this idea of becoming yourself and and um, and maturing into the the person that you're meant to be and then returning home and bringing that part of yourself home in a way that helps your community is the reason why the story is told over and over again is because it's like the height of human development. It's what we all want to become ourselves and to be loved and accepted and helpful to our communities as individuals. Um, and so, so the, you know, personal growth, um, um, 
personal growth in a way that has a meaningful impact on my community, I suppose is my, is my value or, or love or how can I help you? Like I said before. Yeah. Yeah. How can I help you too? Is a, uh, I think I have the book right here. You, you're paused by the way, your video paused. I don't know if you did that on accident, but no, See here, yeah, your video pause. You're in a very like good stance though with your video. You're like you have your fist up. If I get a screenshot of that, it looks uh, <laughs> it looks. Oh, really I good. see. I'm frozen. Yeah, the video's frozen. But yeah. you're not going to show the video anyway, right? No, it's just. No. Uh, I'm just because it's easier to talk. Um, so have you seen this? This is it's funny. It's funny how can I help you? Have you seen this book before by Ram? Das? Yeah, by Ram Das. Yeah, oh, okay. I've read that book. Yeah, I actually haven't read it yet. I got it. I picked up about a year ago. Um, at like the used bookstore here and it's sitting on my bookshelf. But as soon as you said that, it made me think of that. So maybe I just take that as a sign that I should go read it. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking on my bookshelf now to see if I can see it. I might've given it away, but yeah, I read that book a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It looked pretty good. Um, put it right next to, uh, next to yours once I finish it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's so easy to get confused nowadays with, almost now there's so many options of like of ways that you can try and find your fulfillment and like follow your dreams and all that kind of stuff that um there's a lot of distractions i feel like especially i'm 29 so especially for people that grew up on the internet there's so many different options to figure out what it is you exactly want to do and like fulfill yourself with that it gets slightly overwhelming at times um so I thought it was cool when you were talking about in your book about focusing on like the things in your life that you find meaningful, no matter how small and starting on that, you know, instead of, you're definitely in New York. Yeah. There we go. Um, you know, especially when I was, I was just talking to a friend of mine at work today and she said, I've been. It was so funny. She was talking to me about this. When I knew I was talking to you because she said, yeah, I've been meh for the past two years. And I was like, well, Abby, that's not good. What, what, what do you think is going on? She's, I just don't know, you know, what I want to do with my life. And I just don't know, you know, I don't have any passions and like all this stuff. And I said, well, what's like a little thing that you like, you know, maybe just start small on something, you know, just like you're saying in your book, um, just to go small. And build your life around that. And I think that's really important for people because I get that caught in that trap all the time too. I don't know. I think that, that, you know, there's this whole idea that there's some way that we're supposed to spend our lives and some, some like, we're supposed to have, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? We get asked this question from when yeah. we were little. Yeah. But it's all as though, it's all about as though you're not living your life right now, as though it isn't happening right now. You know, like, um, I admire, like, for, yeah. for example, grandmothers on, in my, in my old neighborhood, there were these grandmotherly types who would just like chill with the neighborhood t- children. You know, they were, they, they were being kind to the kids and helping the kids and helping out the parents and they weren't doing anything special. They were just doing what came naturally to them. I have this concept that I, that's in the book, how to be alive. It's called, it's what I call moment vocation. So vocation of course is our calling. It's what we think of as our life calling. But the truth of the matter is, is that life calling, it it just doesn't happen to all of us. 
And it's this kind of it's this kind of story we create. Like what what it is is we're looking to try to make some sort of big story out of our lives. But the truth of the matter is is that we're called we're called to take action by each moment. You know, when you're walking down the street, you see a homeless person who asks for money. You're called in that moment to do something. It, your your partner or your lover is sad. You're called in that moment to do something. Your your parent needs some help. You're called to do something. Mm. When you go through your life, you can see moment by moment by moment. You're called. You are called, to, and 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 it's the moments. It's it's whether or not we answer the calling of each moment that makes our life. Not whether we can come up with this great gigantic big story of my calling was to go to Africa or whatever. I mean that's great for some people. That's fine. That's wonderful. But those of us, those of us who don't have these big stories about our lives, our lives can be just as wonderful too. Just walking down the street, there's plenty of times and chances for us to help and be of service to our fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like it, it, I feel like some of that maybe come from the movie culture or something, where you just think that. Like you said, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be when you grow up? And you see movies about like, oh, I'm always, I want to be a basketball player and I worked my ass off to be a basketball player and I made the dream come true. And like all these different stories are set around the pretense of, you know, your life being predetermined on that one major thing you're trying to be, like a doctor even or a PhD, like you said that you have, you know, um, and then, yeah. Well, it's back to what we were talking to what we were talking about a minute ago, right? Which was when I said we there are so many. So it's like we're trained to live our lives according to where we think we're going, instead of living our lives according to who we are, right? We make up the, we make up this story about where we we try to find an, an appealing story about where we're supposed to go you know, what we're supposed to become. And then we make up a story about where we are. And then we make up a story about how we get from where we are to where we think we're supposed to go, right? <laughs> but we're already right here. And what about, what about if we just really lived in this moment, right in this moment, right, with, with our, the fullness of our passion, brought all our attention and our energy to this moment, and just live this moment in line with our values, brought all of our attention here. Isn't there a chance that we both enjoy this moment much more and that we would be taken to the right place, right? That we don't have to make up these stories. And that in fact, for trying to force the universe to fit our stories is kind of the source of a lot of our suffering as opposed to meeting the moment from the truth of ourselves. Yeah, that's powerful shit. What do you, what do you see? What, how, where do you see hope in the world? Like what's going on in the world that you go, Oh, that brings me a lot of hope for everyone going in that direction. In your eyes, you got really nice brown eyes. Anybody told you that today? Uh, nope. They don't know. The people that are listening to <laughs> us can't see, they can't see that I can see you on Skype. I don't know. I, I mean, we can see, I see hope. So people, don't get me wrong. I get in despair about the world. Like this, the world is, there are things, you know, when another, when not too long ago, a couple of weeks here ago, here in Crown Heights, where I, in Brooklyn, where I live, there was a, a shooting of another black man. 
um, by the police. And um, it turns out that the neighborhood police, this guy, he was he was a little crazy, and he was just he was he had a steel pipe. And he was pretending, standing in the middle of the street, pointing the steel pipe at people and pretending to shoot them. He was actually known by the neighborhood police. Mm-hmm. And he was known to be like, you know, a local crazy guy. And the, but then when somebody called the cops on him, the, it wasn't the neighborhood police that came and some detectives came and they shot him something like 13 times. I personally do not understand why it's necessary to shoot somebody 13 times, like, Pretty much one bullet does the trick, you know. Um, and, the, the, you know, that there we have these power structures, for example, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm so much less likely to be shot by a police officer as a white person than, oh, than, um, than one of my black neighbors would be. You know, these things are, can fill me with despair. And, and that's, that's not bad. It's not bad to feel the sadness of the world. Um, but also, sometimes the sadness of the world can make me feel so bad that I can't get out of bed, that I can't do anything about it, right? And so then it's important, as you said, to find hope. And I, I find hope everywhere. In my, in, my, in, my, in my friend who I live with who just was talking about somebody that she has a crush on and is so tender and sweet or my neighbor who, um, you know, I personally am not particularly religious, but he has this great faith. He's, he's a Christian and he had this great faith and it causes this incredible kindness or, you know, or my daughter who's just funny, you know, she just loves to crack a good joke. And so when, when I really pay attention at the, to people as I find them in the moment, I get a lot of hope from that. And and the purpose of that hope is not for me to forget about the guy that got shot around the corner. The purpose of the hope is to give me enough energy to be able to get out of bed and help with things that I see in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. I believe you talked about that in the book too. It's like it's focusing on those good moments as, um, as like you said, energy as almost like, you know, fuel to keep going. Um, happiness is a kind of fuel. Mm. Like I don't personally, I don't believe that. I don't believe that happiness is the goal of life. Like, because when we die, like, I don't think that things are, you know, like a car or a house. It's not the goal of life when, because when you got die, you can't take that with you. Similarly, you can't take your happiness with you too. So what is, what is happiness actually for? To me, it's a kind of energy that helps us because the, the research, the science, the research study shows that happy and optimistic people actually help more people than sad and pessimistic people. Yeah, right. So what that what that tells me, you know, so I can, so I can tell we can. T- so how we perceive the world is all stories, and we can tell ourselves, you know, we can tell ourselves sad stories, or we can tell ourselves happy stories. We can tell ourselves stories that that try to deny that the world needs our help or whatever, but the purpose, the, 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 we can, we get to choose our stories. And so, um, one of the things I talk about in how to be alive is choose is to choose the story that actually gives you the energy to live the life that you need to live. 
you know, the, the one where you're of service to yourself and to your local community and to the wider planetary community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story thing is incredible when you really start to break down what you tell yourself, the type of person you are. So this is going to sound a little, it sounds very uh, small, but, um, you know, it's the small things, right? So after watching your the No Impact Man and you were talking about that kind of stuff of like the stories you tell yourself um, and conversations I'd had with people, I went and took a shower after that and I was thinking about like, man, I'd really like to get my hair cut. But I thought, oh, no, 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 you only get your hair cut every three, four months because that's just what you've always done. And then I realized, no way, but I really like the way that I look after I get my hair cut. So why don't I just get a haircut every month because I, I like it? And then I realized, wait, I'm literally waiting two or three extra months after I think I don't look good anymore to get a haircut because I just have always told myself, oh, you, you don't want to, you know, you don't care enough, you know, just you, you wait three or four months, always get a haircut. It was such a weird, small thing, but I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get a haircut every month because I like it. And even though it's such like a small example, it's just, it was a very minute story that I've been telling myself that I just was like, wait, I can change it just as easily, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we're, we're, if we're not careful, our whole world is controlled by stories. And, and not only that, but we manifest the world through our stories. People think that sounds woo-woo, right? That you manifest the world through your stories. That sounds like the secret or something. But <clears throat> an example that I give in How to Be Alive is, you know, suppose one, suppose your mother got bit by a dog when she was growing up and she's scared of dogs. Mm. And then she raises you. She tells you, you know, dogs are dangerous, Watch out for dogs. And so you grow up kind of scared of dogs. Well, that means that when a dog, a puppy, like a happy, friendly puppy runs up to you, right, um, you actually run away. You don't pet that happy, lovely puppy, right? So you reject that means because you're scared of dogs because you decide, you tell yourself a story that dogs are dangerous. You reject the friendly dogs from your life, right? So then... But you know, when a dog really is mean and wants to attack you, 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 you may not be able to just turn your back on it, you know, and it bites you, right? And so the point is that now you've actually, through your stories about how dogs are dangerous, you've actually created a world in which dogs are dangerous right. because you don't see the dogs that are friendly. So that's just that's a concrete example of how our stories create the worlds around the world around us. And I think that's particularly important. Why why I talk about it and how to be alive um, is that I'm really interested in the idea that each of us makes a difference in the world. I'm really interested in the idea that there are many crises in the world that that each of us has a way of helping with there's crises it could be through a business we start it could be you know it could be through giving away money it could be just by buying the right coffee, in other words, buying coffee from an organically, you know, an organic coffee grower, it could, you know, that we can have this orientation around trying to do right by the world. And there are there's stories that we tell ourselves about how we don't matter in the world. And this is another case of where the story makes the truth. Because if I tell myself that I don't matter in the world, then I stop trying. And if I stop trying, I don't matter in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm particularly interested about the stories we tell ourselves about the role we play in the world. And I believe that each of us are really powerful and have the power to help make 
make the world the kind of world we'd all like to have. Do you find and that's that, why I think about stories? Yeah, yeah, no, stories are incredible. Um, yeah, and there was another part where you were talking about it really hit home is how you people tell themselves the story of childish idealism and how they use it and how we all use it in some regards to justify bad decisions where we say, Oh, you, you know, you can't have the, the life you want or, Oh, you want to just focus on your art or your painting or your music. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's for kids. You got to enter the, you're in the real world now, you know, it's a big thing you hear, you know, the real world, Mm -hmm. you can't do that kind of stuff anymore. And you think, well, okay, I would like to do it, but they're probably right. It's just, it's a fantasy. It's a dream, right? And then as you start to make these bad decisions and they rack up, you're just like, well, this is what happens with your life. You know, this is what everyone says. And so that was really, that that one hit home. That, and that's a story, right? Yeah. Yeah. People are always telling us that we need to be, um, that we need to be realistic. You know, yeah, like, exactly. so, 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 I hear so that all for the time example, from my parents. I hear that all the time. Be realistic, right? And I kind of feel like realism is what has got us where we are at the moment. You know, a world where more than 50% of our national budget is way more than 50% of our national budget is spent on the military while people are homeless and kids aren't getting good educations and that type of thing. And like they, they people will tell you, you have to be a realist, like when, when that it's idealistic to think that we could be spending that money on healthcare or education or housing that we could be spending that money on making people's lives better instead Mm -hmm. of spending that money on bombs. We have to be realistic. But that if that's what realism means, all of us believing that we have to spend the money on bombs instead of taking care of our children, then, 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 then I don't want to be a realist. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be an idealist. You know, I want to be an idealist. You know, we're we're missing that kind of idealism. But also, the other thing is, like when I was growing up, the idea that you might say cost move to Costa Rica and just spend your days surfing and maybe teaching other people to surf was considered to be like the highly un irresponsible. But but actually, if we look around at the jobs people are doing, maybe working for one of the oil companies or working for one of the big banks, that that doing these things that are so-called responsible seem to be screwing the world pretty bad. And moving to Costa Rica to to teach surfing seems like a highly responsible thing to do, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So so actually following these kind of authentic impulses that are so-called not realistic to me chances are you know that following what's inside us i believe that what's inside us naturally helps other people and helps the world Mm -hmm. yeah and that new mindset society hasn't caught up yet to the possibilities and i feel like the new mindset that people have with the technology and the capabilities we have to to go start that business of teaching surf, you know, doing surf classes in Costa Rica, you could go down and start a viable business and advertise it on Instagram and put it on Facebook and make some content and get some people coming in. And now you're this cool surf teacher in Costa Rica. That is entirely possible now, but the old paradigms by, sorry, I think you're, you're probably a baby boomer by my parents and like the baby boomers, like that, that paradigm and those structured have, they're still lingering about because a lot of those people are still in power and they're still politicians and they're still CEOs. So that the way I see it is like that structure is still lingering. 
And yeah, I'd like to challenge that story okay. a little bit. All right, let's hear it. I mean, this the story that I want to challenge is the story that you're offering around it, like it, the baby boomers and all that kind of stuff. I hear that story. Just, generations just talk shit about each other, right? Like, oh, it's the millennials. Oh, it's the baby boomers. Yeah, you see, like, like one of my pet, one of my pet, um, one of one of my pet peeves is would be, uh, you know, Wall Street investment bankers. Uh, not not the people. There's nothing wrong with the people, but 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 the but the system, the the system that which tries to squeeze um, uh, profit out of the system without really adding value, right? So, you know, there's no shortage of whatever generation we're on showing up to Wall Street to do those jobs. So the idea that it's one generation and not the other, to me, to me, when I hear that from younger people or older people, whenever anybody's talking shit about another generation, what I hear is that person trying to push responsibility away. Mm. Like, no, it's not, it's not our fault. It's their fault. It's just the same thing, you know. It's the same thing as what's going on in this country with the Republicans and the Democrats. It's not our fault. It's the it's the urban liberals. No, it's the rural conservatives. Like it's not our fault. It's their fault. Where when we when we when we start claiming responsibility, that is to say, what is my part in fixing things? You know, what's my generation's part in fixing things? Responsibility is a great word. It's it means like. I sometimes I used to think that it meant like responsibility, make your bed, wash the dishes, responsibility, but responsibility actually responsible, able to respond, right? When we claim responsibility for what's happening in the world and for fixing what's happening in the world, that's amazing. When I actually claim that I'm able to respond, like that is so powerful and freeing and wonderful. Anyway, but my point is be careful with the generation with, with the generational generalizations. <laughs> We're just gonna both like defend our, our corners. Um, yeah, and I well, I think I guess in a broader sense, it's just that it takes society a long time. It's like the Titanic. It just takes a long time to move it sometimes. And the, the technology nowadays lets us do things and add value to people by just posting a cool picture. And if you use it correctly, if you use those tools correctly. And I feel like society is still, it is still operating under this paradigm. I guess that's, it's just going to take a while to like move it like the Titanic. Um, while the other stuff is going a lot quicker while the technology is going quicker. That's the way I see it. You could be right. (laughs) (laughs) But also taking responsibilities. Have you read Jordan Peterson at all? Have you ever heard Jordan Peterson? Uh-uh. No, uh, I don't think so. Okay. He What's has, a, has he got a book? What's the name of the book? Yeah, 12 Rules for Life. And uh, he's a professor up in Toronto. He's got a huge following online and stuff on YouTube. Oh, um, I don't think I've read him. No, no. Oh, okay. So. Well, the, the first tenet of it is, is uh, yeah, being responsible for every single part of your life, bad or good. Um, so that is very true. What do you, for, for like the story stuff, do you find mantras helpful? Like how, how do you... When you do these, you know, when you're doing like coaching sessions, it sounds like, and stuff like that, when you're helping people, like, what do you advice you offer to kind of break that initial, you know, or discover the stories that you're telling yourself? I guess you can change them because that's the hardest part, right? Is like the hardest thing for a fish to see is water. So, how do you like discover those stories you're telling yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, usually 
like say I'm working with a new coaching client, uh, you know, a question that I often ask a new coaching client is, um, I'll say to them, uh, let's say it's a year from now, I'll say, and, uh, and everything is going perfect. In fact, we've had a great conversation and, and somehow everything that we talked about came true in your life. And you want to call me up and you want to call me up and tell me like, geez, Colin, remember all those things that I talked about that then? They all came true. So I always said, so what were they? What were they? What were those things? And they'll tell me, like, they'll tell me all the things that, um, I, I do it that way because I don't say, what do you want? Because sometimes it's hard for people to say what they want. But if you kind of allow them to tell a story about the future that's clearly fictional, it helps them just to say. So they'll tell me all these things about what they want. I'll, they'll talk for a while and I'll be like, oh, I'm hearing you say you want this. And well, well, what will those, you know, what will those, what will that thing give you? So th th that's an important question. What will it give you? A lot of times, you know, I want a big house. Well, what will that give you? Well, it will give me a place where I can get my family to come together and my friends to come together. But what it tells me is that, you know, the house is not necessarily the most important thing to them. What's really important to them is to have to be together with their family mm. and their friends, right? And I'll say, well, what is it that's stopping you from getting together with your family and friends right now? And they'll say, well, I just, you know, there's just not enough time and, you know, there's not. Then that this is where when I when when I ask them, what is what is what is the obstacle that's standing between you and that thing? Right. That you really value. Um, automatically, the stories start to come up. You know, especially if it's something like spending time with my friend and my family, because we're we're putting something before it, and and so it's so so when you when when people start to talk about what's coming in between them and what they want, or a lot of times that they'll they'll tell stories about it. well you can't you can't have you, you that there's this classic thing you can't have you can't it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too yeah you know people will talk about that in. You know, you can't you can't be a free spirit and have uh, a committed romantic relationship. You know, they'll say that. Yeah. Well, why not? Why can't you? You know, so so the objections and the stories that people people tell themselves different stories, and then what I do is I, you know, we talk through this. We, we you know, once I point out the stories, a lot of times people will see that they're not true. Sometimes, sometimes they'll see that they are true. They they think that they are true, but then we work on. On. And, and that's the difference, by the way, between coaching and therapy. In therapy, what you do is you spend a lot of time with the stories, like oh, and to, you know, I think of it like it's like it's like a, a landscape with lots of boulders, right? So in therapy, what you do is you blow up the boulders. You like kind of take all the stories and you undo them. In in coaching, you kind of instead of trying to blow up the boulders, you move around them. Oh, you kind of okay. be like, okay, how do we get past that? How do we just how do we just <laughs> You can believe that if you want, but how do we do that even if you do believe it? Like, and keep going. And then what happens is the boulders or the obstacles shrink because of the evidence that they're, because you, that you're actually getting things. Through action. Yeah, through action. Coaching for me is more action-based, less talking-based. Yes, yeah. What's that great line? You can't, you can't like think yourself out of the out of the problem that like thinking got you or something like that. You know, yeah, you can't you can't think. I can't remember the exact words either, but it's something like you can't you can't think yourself out of the problem with the same brain that created the problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
And it really is yeah. like just, well, because I mean, it's powerful shit, right? I mean, the minute that you take an action, like for instance, you know, I can't see my friend or I can't be a free spirit and be in a committed relationship, you know? Um, or, you know, that was a story I told myself for a long time too. It was just like, no, I want to travel around and be a, a, you know, I moved around a lot the past five years and I was like, no, I, I don't want a girlfriend I, and I can't have a girlfriend because I'm moving around too much. And then lo and behold, got a girlfriend and uh, somehow your life molds to what you decide you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Another big one, by the way, that I, that, that I come across is that I can't be a successful biz- business person and live according to my values. Interesting. So what, what, how do you break that down? Well, it, it, what was, what, you know, it depends. Sometimes it will be, um, like I have a client and, uh, it might be hard for her to live truly according to her values in her present job because of the culture of that work. Mm. Right. So, so that's a different, but that's a different story. I can't, I may not be able to live truly according to my values and stay in my present job, but that doesn't mean that she can't live according to her values in a different job. Mm. Right. And then, and then what, then what we get to, then what we start to get to is fear, fear about leaving the present job and that type of thing. So then, then what we get to, you know, we start to understand what's stopping a person from moving along. Well, are you scared of anything right now? Uh, oh, you know, I have <laughs> habitual fears. Uh-huh. Sure. I have habitual fears for me. Sometimes, uh, uh, I get, I get, I'll get scared about my finances, which is kind of crazy actually, because I'm fine. Um, uh, let's see. I get scared of being, I personally, um, get scared sometimes of being unlovable. I'll sometimes have a fear that, um, it can get kicked off by conflict that there's, there's something deeply flawed about me that's caused the conflict or something like that. So those are kind of habitual fears. They're, they're not really fears that I believe in the light of day anymore. Um, but, but, but they'll come up for a little while and, and I'll have to spend a little time reminding myself that they're, they're not true. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the the case? And I, it seems like even the most successful people, you know, I, I consider you someone that's successful. You obviously do coaching sessions for these exact same scenarios. Um, and, you know, when you hear these interviews with people that are just, you know, like the Jay-Z's of the world, you know, and the, you know, these people that are just out doing these incredible things and they're like, oh yeah, no, I, I still get these thoughts that pop in my mind every once in a while. Um, and I still just have to tell them kind of to fuck off. (laughs) Um, it's very interesting how those things just kind of always linger about and your brain tries to mess with you with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because we stay human. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, why do you think that is? I mean, you think it's just cause yeah, it's just always going to be there. Do you think that, do you, I've always wondered this. Do you think that society now has, a role in that, you know, like I always think back pre-civilization of like a mind experiment I do is pre 10,000 years ago when there weren't civilizations um, or these structured societies was human consciousness the same as it is now. Cause we have no record of that. Right. We're just, when people say, Oh, it's human nature. And it's like, well, is it, I mean, it's just human nature from the 5% that we know about, you know? So I wonder if 
society plays a big part in those negative thoughts reoccurring to us right now. And then we just go, well, that's just the way the mind works. What do you think? I think that, um, I think that my own experience is that these thoughts come up over and over again. Um, and that it's human to have them and that we have like gigantic religious traditions of all types. Um, a big part of which is about, um, helping us to come to terms with our fears and the, the different things that we feel about the world. So it suggests to me that it suggests to me that the human problem, the problem of being a human has been going on for a long time. Um, in Buddhism in particular, you know, there's this idea of uh, the first noble truth, which is that life is suffering, which doesn't mean that, that everything, it doesn't mean that, you know, life's a pile of shit. It means that, 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 that to be alive and to suffer are inextricably linked. It's not possible to be alive without suffering. Um, and ultimately, in, in many ways, the path out of suffering um, is to accept that, you know, we're human. This is what it's, you know, we're all, we're all going to die. That's okay. You know, we're all going to feel pain. That's okay. We're all going to get old. That's okay. The real problem is that we tell ourselves stories about that. Like, how do we know that it's bad to die? How do we know that it's bad to get old or to get sick? Like, we're, mm. we, 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 we don't want to live life just as it is in this moment. And actually, if we stay here right here in the moment, it's usually pretty damn good. Even, even, even when we're creating stories um, about our lives, chances are we're, you know, like, what could be better than you and me just sitting here talking to each other, like? You couldn't, you couldn't have a better, what, you know, what are the richest people doing in the world doing right now? Probably sitting around just talking to each other, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like you and me. So we can count ourselves. Yeah. You know? They're, they're, they're probably just talking about, uh, you know, how they're going to get that gold, uh, gold plated, you know, minx robe or something delivered to them quickly or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But, um, yeah, no, it's just, it's so cool. And it's, um, it, it, you seem to be kind of spearheading, you know, and I, I didn't realize that No Impact Man was about 10 years ago. So it's just, it's cool that it seems to be like you've been like spearheading this, you know, quiet revolution that I feel like that's been taking place and growing bigger and everybody questioning everything because of the rise of, of the internet and the rise of people seeing the possibilities. Um, and, and just seeing that life doesn't have to be the way that they were told it had to be. So it's um it's just so cool. Do you ever feel do you ever feel um pressure from that? Do you ever feel you know like um pressure from all like maybe like uh, self-imposed responsibility like you were talking about for being someone kind of in the midst of that whole movement? Yeah, I, I I guess I used to more than I do now. I just, I don't, I don't think I'm that important. <laughs> so, you know, um, and there are so many other, like a really amazing people that are doing so much, you know, that are way ahead of me and their thinking and their action and stuff like that. But, um, I feel what I feel responsible for is, um, uh, paying attention to what I see in the world and, and helping where I can, you know, 
I guess not, not, not that much more pressure than that. Yeah. 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 No. And it's, um, it's a very, excuse me. it's a very, uh, it's just a cool time. It's a cool time for like all this stuff to be taking place and to, you know, be able to watch documentaries like that and podcasts and books and stuff and just kind of tune in, right? Like tune in, turn on, just don't do the dropout part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I say, dropping out's okay, depending on, depending, you know, I, I personally like people, people used to talk about, would talk about, well, it, why, if you want to live environmentally, why don't you move to the woods, you know, but the truth is living to the woods, moving to the woods, how are we supposed to help each other also to move forward? Like mm-hmm. we need, each of us are leaders and need to stay part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's, what's powerful, man, is, is taking, is taking that disenchantment that I think a lot of people feel about society and channeling it towards, like you said, doing something a little better and a little good instead of, it's so easy to slip into apathy. It's so easy. You know, that's such, that's such like an easy little slide, you know, down the playground is just like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, you know, and the problems are too big and, you know, it's just so easy to get disillusioned and just kind of write everything off. Um, and instead kind of rerouting that energy towards actually doing something about it. You know, that that's probably the hardest part about this whole thing, in my opinion. Dealing with apathy? Well, just like how you were saying, like you were a professional quitter when you were earlier and stuff and just kind of like, I feel like, you know, that's a, I, I resonate with that a, a lot and just getting disillusioned with like these structures that are in place with a lot of things. And instead mm. of a lot of times speaking from personal experience and from other people I've talked to, it's easy to just be like, like, oh, fuck it and fuck all of this. You know, let's just go, you know, some people go, I'm just going to live in a hermit, you know, as a hermit or, you know, I'm just going to go. Um, you know, maybe cause trouble and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a, it's an easy way to just be, become apathetic and start going down paths like that, where you just say, ah, screw it. I'm not even going to try, um, instead of taking action on it. So. I mean, for me, I think maybe there are some people who are able to do that, like be, you know, withdraw in the ways that you're talking about and be happy. Um, for me, it's just not an option. And, and for many people that I know, it's not an option. People are, the, the, the idea of trying to ignore the problems that are happening in the world or withdraw from the, the problems isn't integrity with ourselves. So that is to say, um, we create, we have to create a whole bunch of new stories, false stories about how we don't matter or how we can't do, do anything or, or how, you know, we're better off if we're alone or, or anything that we have to create all these stories in order to withdraw and the energy of actually trying to live by these false stories um, makes us unhappy as opposed to actually just acknowledging, oh, I feel sad or I feel grief or I feel concerned. Okay, so how can I just sit with that feeling and allow myself what does it, instead of trying to make up a story to cover up those stories, so that's what the withdrawal is all about. Like, I feel sad and I feel concerned. I don't want to have those feelings. I'll withdraw, right? 
but it doesn't actually make the feelings go away to withdraw. Just paper stuff. So instead, like, how can we sit with that? Which just kind of takes us back where we started. I, I feel sad, and then ultimately, how can I help? How can I help? Remember when we started, you were like, what's your value? How can I help? It's not an imposition, right? It just comes naturally. Like, and then, and, and so then you're still with that, like the sadness that you see or the concern that you see for the world. And then what, then what arises is this question, how can I help? And sometimes you have to sit with that question for a long time too. Just hold that question and allow it not to be answered. Like just allow yourself to not know until one day or one time or one moment, you know, something appears and then the next thing appears, the next thing appears. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I think that that goes along with your advice of creating your life like from the outside in and focusing on the things besides your career and building that and, and this meaningful life um, and then kind of having your career fit into or your job into that meaningful life that you have anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So cool, man. Well, um, I'll let you go. I know uh, I'm sure yeah. it's, it's uh, almost nine o'clock there, so... I'll let you go, That's but uh, right. yeah, stick around. I go first. deal with my daughter. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, where? What are like any new projects coming out that people can kind of oh I, for you? Yeah, actually, I do got some something um, that people might be interested in. I, I have this thing. It's called the How to Be Alive Mastermind Group, mm. and what it is is I group I recruit people from all over the country and the world, and we meet together in these. Uh, online groups. I use a, a video conferencing platform and we meet in groups of 10. And basically what I do is I facilitate this group to uh, help each other to uncover what we do. First, we uncover our real values. Then we uncover the goals that put those values in motion, the strategies for reaching those goals. And then we hold each other accountable for reaching those goals. Um, and it's a, it's a program that lasts about five months. And you can find it on my webpage, which is at colinbevan.com. So it's C-O-L-I-N-B-E-A-V-A-N.com. Yeah. Awesome. And I blog regularly there, too. People can read my work there. Okay, cool. Yeah, and all your books are on Amazon and stuff, too. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Thank it's you. great to talk to you. Yeah, stick around for a second, but uh, we'll end it there. Thanks so much for coming on, Colin. Appreciate it, man. Okay, sure. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. How was that podcast? Did you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed reading his book and talking to him? I hope so. Um, yeah, so you can find him at colinbeven.com. Uh, check out his book, his documentary. We got some big things coming up here. I don't know why I said we. It's just me doing this. I have some big things coming up here with the podcast. Um I have the second podcast with my friend Lay, who is the transgender guy, um, and we get into literally everything. Every little question that you can think of that you're too scared to ask a trans person, we go over. Um, so that'll be coming out. I got one with like a relationship expert coming out um, on how to you know get better at interpersonal relationships, platonic or otherwise, if you know what I mean, you bumblers out there. And uh, yeah, so I hope y'all having a good summer. You know where to find me. Instagram is Alex H Star. I'm trying to post and do all that content stuff on there. Um, and yeah, wish me luck at the Iron Man that's coming up in four days. See ya.